Okay, ladies, we're studying the Beatitudes, Jesus teaching his disciples, his uh, apostles, and the multitude that had followed him up on the mountain. And it's been said of these eight Beatitudes that are listed in Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 12. Basically, there are eight qualities and eight blessings. And we've talked about the Beatitudes as being what our attitudes should be. Weirs be said of attitudes. They are what we think in our hearts, our outlook on life. And the Lord has given us these Beatitudes as um, uh, declarations of the blessedness and the state of joy that is ours now in this life as well as when we are with him face to face. Now, Barclay says, true, it will find its fullness and its consummation in the presence of God. But for all that, it is a present reality to be enjoyed here and now. They are congratulations on what is. Just like we talked about our position in Christ as we're seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, we don't always realize that reality because we're living in this earth, this life, this world still, but we know there's more to come. And it's these beatitudes basically are declarations of what is, not only what will be, but what is now. We just need to turn our thoughts and our attitude towards those declarations. So we began with the first one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. So for the message, what I want to kind of break it down into, what does that not mean, and what does it mean? Because um, we can read that, and unless you really think about it, or pray over it, and do some research on it, just taking it at face value, you might not really realize exactly what that means, and what Jesus meant by it when he was teaching. So number one, blessed are the poor in spirit. It does not mean blessed are those who have no money. Actually, material poverty is not a good thing. People that are living in the slums and not having enough food, not having medical care, um, dealing with different illnesses and diseases because of unhealthy living conditions and poor nutrition, this is not the kind of poor to which Jesus was referring this kind of poverty and poorness, people that are poor financially, we need to help. We need to reach out to and share with what we are able to share with. Now, in Greek, there's two different words for the, used for poor. One is used of a person who is able to work but just gets by, earns just enough to make it. Um, their needs are taken care of through their work, but they have absolutely nothing left over. The other word describes one who has nothing, and it refers to those in absolute and abject poverty. They absolutely have nothing, nothing coming in, nothing at all. Well, does that mean we aren't supposed to be rich? That to be blessed, we need to be poor, to have, we're not to have a comfortable lifestyle or even an extravagant one? Well, the people in Jesus' day had come to believe that to be blessed, to be happy, you had to be rich. You had to have position and power, or you weren't blessed. You weren't successful. Psalm 62.10, though, says, If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Riches may increase, ladies, and it's the, the love of money that is the root of all evil, not the money itself. 
So riches may increase, but there are many on fire, born-again believers who are very wealthy, and they use their riches to benefit the kingdom of God. They help others in need. Um, And so there's nothing wrong with having money. It's your attitude towards it, probably, that is more of a concern to Jesus and the actual amount that you have, and if that's your God and you're living for that. Jesus gave a different thought altogether. He was correcting a wrong perspective. Matthew Henry wrote, The general opinion is, Blessed are they that are rich and great and honorable in the world. But that was not what Jesus was teaching. He was never dealing with the world's riches, um, but the Bible even tells us to store up riches where? In heaven, those heavenly riches, not this world's material riches. So this beatitude is not about the world's wealth. It's a spiritual state of mind. It's a spiritual opinion of oneself. So that takes us to then blessed are the poor in spirit and what it does mean. Blessed are those who have nothing good in themselves, in their flesh. Nothing that they have and they know to save themselves, nothing in which to purchase their own salvation or their own righteousness. Now, I read um, in a couple of different commentaries that the meaning of the word poor had progressed to mean back in the in biblical days that because one was poor, they had no influence or power or help or prestige. Then it went on to mean that because they had no influence, therefore they were downtrodden and oppressed. And finally, it came to describe those who, because they had no earthly resources whatsoever, they had to put their whole trust in God. So the word poor was used to describe the humble and the helpless people who had put their trust in God. You looked at a couple of verses in your lesson, if you were able to do it, that referred to the poor. And this is basically the meaning of those that were poor. Barclay sums up poor in spirit as, Blessed are those who have realized their own utter helplessness and who have put their whole trust in God. John Calvin is quoted as saying, He only who is reduced to nothing in himself and relies on the mercy of God is poor in spirit. Now, that doesn't mean having low self-esteem. You have great value to the Lord. He bought you with a price, his very own life. So it doesn't mean you're to be a doormat. It doesn't mean you have absolutely no value. This, the, the psalmist, I think, even said something about who is man that you're mindful of him, you know, and I'm but a worm. That's, that was a description of how he was feeling. But yet when you think about God wanted to be with you for all of eternity and he sent his son Jesus wanted to be with you for all of eternity. He was willing to come and die in your place. So you have great value to the Lord. You are worthy. You are worth the Lord's love. And so it doesn't mean having low self-esteem. It's recognizing that without Jesus, you are without hope and are helpless. But because you've been bought with a price, you are of great value to him. We are daughters of the king. So know who you are in Christ and be confident and secure in your relationship with him. But be humble and know he is God and you are not. Your husband isn't, your parents aren't, your children aren't, your boss isn't, your teachers aren't. God is God. He saved you because you did not and could not save yourself. 
And you've heard it said, he paid a debt he did not owe because you owed a debt you could not pay. So consider Jesus, who made himself of no reputation, and we're told to have that same mind and attitude in us. We're to look out for others. We're to esteem others better than ourselves. You can read Philippians 2, 1 through 8 when you have an extra minute because it totally describes the Lord and then how we are to have that same mindset. One thing that the Lord put on my heart with this when we need to care about others, don't use your freedom if it's going to stumble a weaker brother or sister. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 13 deals with this. Jesus came to serve, and we need to humble ourselves and serve others. Yes, we may have freedom. The scripture says all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient, or all things are not beneficial, all things are not helpful. You may have freedom to do something, but that doesn't mean another brother or sister is going to. Be willing to serve them by giving up that freedom that you have so that they can benefit, they can grow. And they can let their relationship with the Lord be what it is and let God lead and guide them. But we're told Jesus laid down his life even for his enemies. He did for us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And we are told in 1 John 3.16, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Laying down your life, being willing to die for someone else. And here... The scripture is just telling us, give up maybe an area of freedom that you have for someone else. That, in a sense, is laying down your life for them. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And we have become rich, ladies. We can be rich in faith, as James 2, 5 speaks of. Again, it's an attitude of humility, of recognizing one's own hopelessness and helplessness and having a dependency upon God for this life and for the next one. It's knowing as well that the ground is level at the cross. There isn't any better than anyone else. We're all sinners saved by grace. Jesus died for each and every one of us. If you need an attitude adjustment, <laughs> reread 1 Corinthians 1. 26 through 31, it was in the lesson. You're going to be able to talk about it in group. You weren't chosen because of your might or your wisdom. Now, Paul, think about Paul. He had every reason to boast, didn't he? To be prideful. But what was his attitude? He was the chief of all sinners. He was the least, was his attitude. Trusting and knowing the Lord loves you and will never leave you and, or forsake you and his promises are true to meet all of your needs, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, but it's being dependent upon him and knowing he is there to care for you. He's the shepherd. You're just one of his sheep. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 6, 20, this beatitude says, for yours is the kingdom of God. So that takes us to number three, the kingdom of God, what it is, what it isn't. It's not an earthly kingdom but a heavenly kingdom. Scripture says it's not eating and drinking. It's not all made up of the comforts of this life. From Stout, he covers this, and he says who's part of the kingdom. The kingdom is given to the poor, not the rich, the feeble, not the mighty, to little children humble enough to accept it. 
not to soldiers who boast that they can obtain it by their own prowess. It is given to those who humble themselves and give their life to the Lord. They accept his plan for their lives, whether rich or poor. And I thought, for better or worse, in sickness and in health. And what does that remind you of? Marriage vows. Well, the Lord is your bridegroom. You are his bride. And have you taken that vow to him to trust him no matter what your, is going on in your life, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your, your situation? He's our heavenly bridegroom. He is the king of kings. It's his kingdom that he was teaching about. It's a kingdom of grace and a kingdom of glory. One likened it to the phrase in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is where his will is being obeyed, where his will is being followed. It's where nothing but God's will will be done, whether in your life right now or one day as Shane prayed, when he comes back and restores peace and and rules and reigns over everything right now the enemy still is considered the prince of the power of the air he still has some sway over unbelievers and in this world we don't have to give him sway we've been set free we belong to the king in his kingdom it's a place for his bride and his children to dwell it's not a temporal kingdom but an eternal kingdom it's not an earthly physical kingdom but a spiritual kingdom we, we read, if you worked on your lesson, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, not man's, not yours. Scripture says our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we know what that means as women. It's that monthly time of, of uh, a woman's cycle and the rags that were, were used. That's our righteousness. But Christ is righteous. No darkness in him at all, no sin. He was perfect without spot or blemish. And he covers us in his robe of righteousness so we can stand acceptable before the Lord. The peace, peace, not as the world gives, but as Jesus gives. And his peace is also described as the one who, the peace that passes all understanding. We don't understand what's going on recently with all the weather situations, the earthquakes in other places, in Las Vegas and the shooting, but we can have a peace that passes our understanding. We don't have to understand it all. We can know that God is on the throne, that Jesus loves us, and that he is for us, as Shane even had us singing. And then joy, joy in the Holy Spirit. The only way to have that joy is to have Jesus. And the only way to have Jesus is to acknowledge him as your savior, to ask him to forgive you and to acknowledge he died on the cross in your place. He paid your punishment and to ask him for forgiveness and to give you that new life, that spiritual life. If you weren't here for the ladies night out at the beginning of September, when we kind of started back after our summer break, listen to her message online. It's about joy, the joy of the Lord that is our strength. It's the joy in the Holy Spirit that is ours. It gives us strength to face each and every day. Then you can and will have the Matthew 5, 3 beatitude. It will be your attitude with the resulting blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that you've given to us 
to teach us, to give us understanding of your word, to give us joy and peace. And we thank you for your righteousness that you've covered us with, Lord. We acknowledge that we cannot stand before you alone, that we are sinners. But we thank you that you see us through eyes of love and through that robe of righteousness and the garments of salvation. And I pray for any that are here this morning, Lord, that need an attitude adjustment. Lord, whether they have uh, low esteem or too high esteem of themselves, Lord, may we line up with what your word declares, that you loved us and died for us and rose again to give us new life. Lord, may we have an attitude of humility, being poor in spirit, recognizing, the Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, I pray you bless the discussion groups. Lord, as the women minister one to another, the things you've been teaching them as they worked on their lesson, we thank you for the new ones that have come today, and may they just feel a part of what you've begun here on these Thursday mornings. And we thank you for the freedom we have to open your word to learn and to grow together in the things of the Lord. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, ladies. Have a good group discussion.